0: Well, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Let's let Pastor Chris know that we love him this morning. And, uh, I think he's going to step out and do some children's ministry this morning. Oh, you're going to stay in with us. All right. Well, good. We're glad to have you here. So uh, I'll just join in with Pastor Chris and say we are thrilled that you're here this morning. There's lots and lots of options in Tyler, Texas to go to church, but uh, no place that you'll be loved and valued and appreciated more than right here. So we are thrilled that you're here with us in person, or if you're here joining us online, we are, we're glad that you're here just want to reiterate uh, what pastor chris said there about september the 11th being our 20th uh, anniversary celebration really want to encourage everybody to uh, make a special effort to uh, be here in person with us for that day we 're going to uh, you 'll see some great pictures from the past uh, that alone is worth coming for just, <laughs> and uh, just a, a fun time of celebrating all the miraculous things that God has done, but I think also just uh, setting up for the uh, miraculous things that he has to come. I sincerely believe in my heart that our, the best days of New Covenant Church are ahead of us. And uh, anybody believe that? How many, believe, how many people know the best days with God are always ahead of us? Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series, the seven uh, churches of Revelation, today. And uh, just as we do that, let's, um, let's just take a moment. And just give thanks to God for all of his goodness in our lives. And to um, help ask him just to help us to have ears to hear what he would say to us. Amen. Shall we pray? Come on. Father, we really do. We love you so much. We are so thankful just for the opportunity to be your children and to gather together as the body of Christ. Uh, today, Holy Spirit, we've said it time and again, but have your way. Have your way in us uh, as a church and in us as individuals Father, we do. We stand against any type of uh, distraction today. Things from yesterday, things later today, things that are kind of uh, maybe that we're uh, facing just in life. We say, um, God, push all that aside that we can focus on, that we can see and hear from you today. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, again, we're in the series of seven churches of uh, Revelation and we see that uh, the Apostle John, he uh, was on the Isle of Patmos and he was... um there, and, and Jesus shows up to him, and he and uh, he begins to tell him some things for the church, and, and it was for these seven churches, yes, but it was for all the churches. There were some other churches there in Asia. There was Colossae, and uh, Troas, and Miletus, and there's other churches, but what he says is, I've got a message for individuals, and I've got a message for the whole church, for the church. Then, the church age, the church throughout the age, and the church today, and so I believe God wants to speak to us today as a church and as as individuals. When we think about the setting of Revelation, as Pastor Chris has been telling us over the last few weeks, we need to remember that during this season of time, about 90, 95 AD, that that the church, Christians, were being persecuted. It started in about 60 AD and it's continuing. And and really, almost every church in every location was suffering some kind of oppression, some kind of tribulation, some kind of persecution. Um, John says it like this in Revelation chapter 1. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day When I heard behind me a loud voice like a triumph and like a trumpet, and then he says, I saw Jesus walking among the candlesticks and holding the stars in his hand and all those type of things. Well, again, uh, I love this, the fact that even though John was in prison because of tribulation, he was still in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Anybody glad to know that tribulation can't separate us from the presence of God? Anybody glad to know difficult times and troubling times and hard times, they don't separate us from the presence of God? As a matter of fact, nothing separates us from the love of God, amen? I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. So, so we see Jesus showing up and he's walking among the churches and, and to each church he shows himself just a little bit of a, a different facet of, a, of who he is. And, and that's what we come to find out. We find out that Jesus is multifaceted And that basically what he's saying to the churches is, everything you need, I am. Aren't you glad for that? Everything you need today. Say it to the person beside you. Everything you need, Jesus is today. He really is. So I think that's one of the overarching themes of Revelation. Uh, Another one would be the fact that Jesus is Lord and that he is bringing ultimate victory to the church. He's going to bring ultimate victory. Hey, people, aren't you glad to know we win? In the end, we win. Let's just give God a hand clap for victory today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're jumping in today to Revelation chapter three. Start, okay, Revelation chapter three, and you can read verses one through six. But uh, instead of reading, I'm just going to jump right in to verse one. All right, verse one it says, "Into the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things." Says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Now, I've got to tell you that uh, that's really not the message that anybody wants Jesus just coming and saying. I know you think you're alive, but you're dead. I know you think you're okay, but you're really not, you know? And that's what he's saying to this, uh, to this church that's gathered there in Sardis. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly... I didn't know a whole lot about Sardis, so I did some research. And, uh, and there's a story that's connected with Sardis. How many people have ever heard the story of King Midas? Anybody ever heard the story of King Midas and the Midas touch, kind of the fable there? Well, well King Midas was a, a real king in real times, and he, uh, he was the king over the, the Lydian area over, of Asia. And King Midas loved gold. Uh, There were gold mines there in that area. There was a lot of gold, gold found in the rivers, and the Pactolos River. And and, uh, so the the king's heart just began to be filled with this actual lust for gold. If I could just have gold, gold. And so he kind of made this wish, and the wish came true. And everything he touched, he'd go and touch a rock, and it'd be gold, another rock, and more gold. And he'd he'd touch a leaf, and it would turn to gold. And man, he was just like, this is fantastic. I mean, some of us, many people are like, I'd like to just go around and touch a few rocks. Rocks and leaves and turn them into gold. That would change my life. Well, it did change his life. As a matter of fact, he went to reach for some fruit to eat. And when he touched the fruit to get ready to eat it, guess what? It turned to gold. His fork, his knife, it would turn to gold. And, and ultimately, this thing that he thought was a blessing became a curse in his life, to the point where his daughter approached him and he stuck at his hand to say, No, 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 don't come near. And she touched him and she turned to gold. And he began to weep, and he began to go, no, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I want. How do I get rid of this? And the fable goes on and says that they told, he was told to go wash in this Pactolus River. And uh, the story is that when he washed in this river, this blessing, quote, curse, was washed away. But as it was washed away, the gold flowed downstream, okay, from this northeastern uh, section of Asia. And it flowed downstream to this place called Sardis. And so Sardis became the place where this, there was an abundance of gold. There was just gold everywhere. The, as a matter of fact, there was a king back in 5, 600 um, B.C. that uh, King Crotius, and I had never heard this statement, but some of you may have heard the statement where it says, man, that person is as rich as Crotius, okay? And, and King Crotius was the richest king in all of Asia. He was just abundantly wealthy, and because he was wealthy, the people of the city became wealthy, and, and they became very prosperous, and, and along with their prosperity, they developed some bad habits. They developed the habit of just being lazy, okay? And they wouldn't work. They would hire people out to do their work. They... They wouldn't fight. They hired armies. Nobody wanted to be a part of the army. They hired people to do their battles for them. And as a matter of fact, they became so bored that they built this big uh, place for like a coliseum for games. And they had this big field where they would play games and they had these these baths. And so they'd they'd go and, you know, they'd exercise and play games and go to these uh, recreational baths and And then they also, they had an amazing temple for the size of their city, their temple to Artemis, the goddess, okay, the goddess Artemis, who was both the god of nature, but of fertility and the way that this goddess was worshipped was was just through pagan idolatry and through illicit sexual acts and immorality, and it was just, it was a horrible, horrible situation. What we find is that this city, because of their wealth, became very arrogant they became very proud. They became very religious in their pagan um, idolatry of this goddess Artemis. And, and, and they just, um, they began to become very vain and prideful. And their city began to sink. Their city began to go into just, um, just, just disintegrate, just actually fall apart because nobody was taking any responsibility. All they cared for was um, just for themselves. Now, the king, realizing that the city had become weak, King Crotius, he said, you know what we need to do? We need to take some of our wealth, and we need to build a fortress. So on top of this big hill, they built this fortress, an acropolis, and, and, and there what they did is they, they thought, hey, if there was ever a problem, ever troubles, then people would run from the fields, and they'd run up into the city and lock the gates, and then they were, thought that they were ultimately just completely, uh, completely safe. As a matter of fact, uh, years uh, later, when King Cyrus of Persia came, he was trying to conquer the world, and and King Cyrus came, and when he looked and he saw this big fortress, this this city on this hill, he said, man, this city is just absolutely unconquerable. So into this lazy, um, immoral, prosperous, vain, proud city, God sends a church. God sends people to start a church. And that's what we see here. Jesus says, To the angel of the church, to the angel of the church. Now, um, if I could just take a moment here, if we were in a pastor's conference, a pastor's gathering, I'd take a minute to just say, You know what, pastor, sometimes it feels like we're, um, we're walking alone. Sometimes it may feel like that we're kind of pulling the load all by ourselves. Can I tell you? You know what Jesus has in His right hand? The Bible says that He has the stars, the seven stars, those angels of the church that, that they're in the hand of God. And I just want to say to Pastor Chris, to Pastor Corey, to any other pastor and pastors that might see this, is I want to let you know God's got you. No matter what it feels like, no matter what your experience is. This week, I met with a couple of pastors and. And I'm just saying, it's been a difficult season, it really has. Uh, since, uh, since COVID's gone on, there've been some tough things, there've been some tough new realities to deal with, but I want to share an old reality, and the old reality is God hasn't forgot you. God's got you in his hand, God's got plans, God's got purpose. And, and, he, and to this, this spiritual leader in Sardis, he sends a message to the church. He says, uh, now, now, again, we don't know who started the church at Sardis. Um, I, I personally think that it was probably evangelists from Ephesus. Anybody heard of the book of Ephesus or the church at Ephesus? Nobody has heard of that. We are up a creek here, brother. I'm just telling you, son. In your Bible, in the New Testament, <laughs> okay. So Paul went to this uh, ch- this place called Ephesus and began to do this great work, and then Timothy becomes the pastor of this church there, and and there's this great thing that's going on at Ephesus, and so, and so Ephesus, now now think about this, Ephesus is also the place where this rich city of Sardis wanted to export their idolatry, so they sent the money to Ephesus to build the biggest church in all of Asia, the biggest church. Um, idol worshiping center, the biggest temple to Artemis in all of Asia. And the ruins of it are still there. You can see it if you go to Ephesus. But, uh, but what Ephesus did was I think they sent evangelists and they began to travel this postal route and they began to share the good news. And some people came to Sardis and they began to share about the love of God. They began to share about the power of God. They began to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and people were getting saved and people were getting healed and people were getting delivered from their idolatry and there was a church that sprang up in the midst of all of this pagan stuff, this, this, this very um, demoral, this very immoral community. And it was a good church. And so here's what, what the scripture says. It says, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now the seven spirits of God, we've talked about, means the fullness of God. That everything you need, okay, everything that the, any individual church or the church as a whole or any individual needs, anything they need, Um, then Jesus is the answer for it. I love the fact that Jesus never points out a need in our life without being willing to meet it. Aren't you glad for that today? I mean, I really am. Anything that he points out, anything that he shows us. and So he goes on and he says this. He says, I know your works. I know the word "know" is that Greek word. I think Chris mentioned this. Pastor Chris mentioned this. That was oida. He meant it wasn't secondhand knowledge. I know this because I've been walking among you. I've personally witnessed what's going on in your life. I've personally witnessed. You know, Jesus walks here in New Covenant Church. He knows everything that goes on in New Covenant Church. He knows those times when we're worshiping Him, him in spirit and in truth, and sometimes when we're going through the motions, right? He knows it. He sees it. He not only sees it in the church, but He sees it in our individual lives. So what Jesus is saying, He's saying that there's nothing hidden from the eyes of Jesus. There's nothing hidden. He knows everything about us. And what He knows is that you have a name, a name, you have a name for being alive, but you're dead. That, that word name, it doesn't just mean that you have a personal name, but it also means you have a reputation, okay? At one time, there were some great things going on. At one time, you were the, the talk of the city, and, and because lives were being changed and great works of God were being done, and he says, but now you just have a reputation. Your reputation is not from the past is not the reality of the present. And I've got to tell you, as I've uh, studied and thought and prayed about this over the last few weeks, that I wonder how many areas of my life, I've asked the Lord just laid it before the Lord, God, are there any areas of my life where at one time the reality was that it was alive, that it was, that it, that it was, it was real, it was thriving, it was, and God, is there any area now where I'm just living on reputation and not reality? I think that's something that we want to reflect on today. Is there ever a time when I've been more alive spiritually than uh, today? You see, because you can be busy, but it doesn't mean that you're experiencing life. They had a lot of activity going on, but no life. Uh, Again, it could have been true in the past, but it wasn't true at the present. It wasn't true at the present that they were living out the faithfulness and the goodness and the power and the presence of Almighty God. I think as a church, you know, there, there was a time when they were seeing people saved. They were seeing people filled with the Spirit. They were seeing marriages reconciled. They were seeing people coming in and receiving the blessing of God in their life. But, but that was something of the past. It wasn't something of the present. Vance uh, Havner mentioned, made this statement. He says, we're not to get the impression that the church at Sardis was a defunct affair with the building erect, the members scattered, the pastor ready to resign, <laughs> Quite the opposite. It was a busy church with meetings every night, committees galore, wheels within wheels, promotion and publicity, something going all the time, something happening all the time. It had a reputation for being alive, for being wide awake, but it was dead. You see, motion doesn't mean life, right? Activity doesn't mean life and so in my mind I've questioned wait a minute you've got this church that evidently at one time there were great things of God taking place but now those things weren't taking place they weren't uh true they were they were dead that were dead necros it means uh, that it's a it's it's a body that has no life and isn't wouldn't that be the worst thing in the world I mean I I don't know why anybody would want to come to church if it was just a gathering but no life Man, we want the life and the presence and the experience of God every time we come together, amen? amen. And we want that in our personal lives. So, so what happened? I think one of the things that happened was that the church became busy about um, protecting their reputation. Uh, they, they focused on culture more than they focused on Christ. And you know, that's what our world's trying to do to us today, isn't it? That doesn't mean what, doesn't matter what God wants for us as a church or God wants for us as Christians. Just be sure that you're culturally acceptable. Just be sure you don't rock the boat of what culture says or wokeness says or politicians say, okay? You know, you you need to give in and go along to get along. Amen? Isn't that what we're hearing in our culture? And I'm not trying to be ugly here or myopic or hard-nosed or anything like that, but can I tell you that our first purpose as the church of Jesus Christ is to please God and not people, amen? Amen. And not culture, and not demographics, and socio-economic entities. We are here to please God, and so they had been so. They were going along. They were. They didn't want to get disrupted by culture. As a matter of fact, I think that they'd become like the city. They reflected the heart of the city, and that they became a little lazy. <laughs> I don't want to go to church to serve, man. I'm here for me. And I, I, just want to, I just want to go and have a name and have a reputation. And how many of us, haven't we all fallen into that at times? Reputation. Anybody remember junior high school? <laughs> mm, reputation. Man, you got to be careful, right? You got to be in the right crowd. You got to, got to wear the right kind of shoes. You got to dress just right. Yeah, you got to say the right things, act the right, so you can be accepted, to be accepted. Uh, you know, it doesn't just happen in schools, does it? Anybody ever gone to a new job, a new place where you work, and you go into this new place to work, and all of a sudden you find out that maybe the culture of that workplace isn't a healthy culture. Maybe uh, maybe to, to go along, to get along, you gotta laugh at the jokes that really, in your spirit, they really aren't very funny, are they? And we see people being degradated in attitudes and actions and... And, and you you find that you find that that even as adults, many times we're kind of pressed and we're moved by this peer pressure and this desire to have a, a good reputation among people and to be accepted by people. But can I tell you, the first place we want to be accepted and have a good reputation is with God, Amen. And so we need to guard those areas. First John chapter two puts it like this: It says, "Do not love the things of the world, or the, do not love the world or the things of the world." If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not the Father, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's passing away and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So, So our hearts are not set on this world, amen, because we're part of a kingdom. This world will pass away, but we're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so just keeping busy, just having activities, just going to meetings, just having eatings and fellowships and don't miss next week with young adults, okay? But it's not just about eating. It's about life-giving relationships one with another. So we want to see that and we want, that, we want life in our church. We want to see people being saved. We want to see people experiencing the presence of God when people gather together with us, amen? Yes. You know, I think it's interesting that when we read about the church at Sardis, we don't read about this church being persecuted. Many of the other churches, we read about them being persecuted in sufferings. Do you know why this church wasn't being persecuted? Dead things don't get persecuted, right? Dead things don't get persecuted. Uh, just when you're just going through the motions. I even wonder, I think, why is Jesus even talking to a dead thing? right? I mean, why don't you just push it aside and move on to something else? But the good news is that when Jesus talks to dead things, dead things come alive. Amen. 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 Aren't you glad for that this morning? I think back in the Old Testament when there was a whole bunch of bodies laying in tombs and the, the, the word of God was spoken and, and as the word of God came over, breath came into those, to those, those dry bones and all of a sudden those dry bones began to have flesh on them and they rose up as a mighty army for God. And when God speaks, dead things come alive talk about in the New Testament? <laughs> There's a guy named Lazarus and a friend of Jesus and he gets sick and he dies and they put him in a tomb for four days and the Bible says he's already smelling bad. He's dead. He's necros. There's no life in him. But Jesus comes along and Jesus says, come forth. Come forth. And what happens? Death moves. Death runs. So life can come and can fill him. Jesus is our resurrection. This church... Needed resurrection. And what does he say? Here I am. Here I am. Whatever's dead, I can replace it with life. And can I tell you, that's not just a message to a church hundreds, thousands of years ago. It's a message to us today. It's a message to any dead area of our lives. It's a message to any area that doesn't seem to have life in it today. He says, hey, come on, don't settle for a form of godliness, but but deny the power thereof. You can have the living power of God in your life. You and I can have that. And so Holy Spirit, just point out to us, are there any areas where we have allowed death to replace life is there an area of our passion for people? Have we, where, where's our desire, our hunger and thirst to see people get saved? Have we, have we lost our, our heart, our life for evangelism to share the good news that's been shared with us? Man, if we don't want people to experience the life that we've experienced, something is dead in our lives. Maybe there's some dreams that you've been holding on to. Maybe there's some, some hopes Maybe you've, and I, I know this, I know that there's people that have got relationships, they've got sons and daughters that are, that are wayward and gone, and it seems like that they've run so far from God that there's no hope, and, and your hope for that person's life to be changed, to be transformed, and to live in the fullness of the purpose of God, those, those hopes have died in you, and I'm just saying today can be the day when God breathes life back into those desires, and both back into those hopes, into those dreams. If there's any area today where it seems like it's just died, it's just, it, it's, I, can't, I can't touch it anymore. It's, there's no experience of that anymore. Can I tell you that God wants to speak, uh, God wants to speak resurrection into that. Maybe even it's a hope for a, re, a relationship. I'm just telling you, God is the God of resurrection. Amen? Amen. Uh, amen. So Jesus goes on and he begins to tell us some some points. He gives some points about steps to resurrection. In verse 2, the first thing that he says is, wake up, wake up, right? Remember when Jesus went in and they said, oh, that there's a little girl and she's dead and, and, and the mourners were there and Jesus says, get out of here. She's not dead. She's just asleep. That's all death is to Jesus. Do you know that there's a time when Jesus is going to call people up to meet with him? And the Bible says that they that are dead, right, in Christ, they're just sleeping. They're going to come alive and meet him together in the air with us, right? That day's coming. That time's coming. He's saying, wake up. Now, in that culture of Sardis, that, that word, wake up, uh, carried a lot of weight, and, and part of the reason why is because they, remind, they, were, um, they were reminded of the history of Sardis. Uh, like we said, King Cyprus one time came, uh, the Persian king, and he was going to try to conquer Sardis. He looks at this, this fortress, and he says, this place cannot be conquered. He goes, I, I just don't know how we could ever do it. How, how could we scale this thousand-foot mountain and, and come over, overcome this city? And so while he's pondering this, he has some of his leading uh, soldiers with him and he says, I'll tell you what, if anybody can find a way for us to conquer this city, I will make you rich beyond belief. So there was one soldier that took this to heart and what this one soldier did was he began to watch day and night and and some of those hired uh, guards (laughs) On the city, they were very complacent and nonchalant and one night, as this soldier's watching as this uh, soldier of Cyrus is watching, he sees one of these guards drop his helmet over the wall and it rolls down the mountain. So the guy keeps watching he he watches as this guard goes down this little secret place and exit this secret uh, door through the, the the city through the uh, wall goes down this little unknown path, picks up his helmet, and goes back. And the soldier says, I've got it. He reports to Sardis what he had seen. And it was through that path and through that entrance that Sardis sent his secret forces. They invaded the city, and they overcame it. And you know why? Because they weren't watching. Because the people were asleep. They'd become so comfortable, so complacent. In their security and in their provision and in their pride and their arrogance, that they did not watch. See, that word watch means to be on guard. It means to be awoke, you know, to wake up, yes, but it means you've got to be on guard. We've got to be diligent. When the Bible says to guard our hearts with all diligence for out of it springs forth the issues of life, we've got to be people that are on guard. We've got to be sure that there are no areas of our lives where we're giving access to the enemy to come in and to influence our decisions. And so the questions arise, are there any doors in our life? Is there, are there any doors in your life today where, that are open to the works, to the lies of the enemy instead of the truth of God? Are there any areas today where we are sleeping? Have we gone to sleep and again in my notes, I put that, have we gone to sleep when we about with our, our call with, with one of the main purposes that we are here on planet Earth today and that 's to share the good news of Jesus Christ to rescue the perishing, to reach out to the lost, to help people know that there is hope no matter what the situation is that a sleep in our lives are we are there areas where we are casual and we are careless about our lives and have we just begun to take uh, the ease of our lives for granted and say, hey, I can, it doesn't matter how I act during the week. It doesn't matter what I say, what I do, where I go. Are there places in our lives where we're just very casual, very careless? Are we, are we careless with sin? Are we careless with the things that we do with our hands, watch with our eyes? Are we careless about those things and think, well, it really doesn't have an impact on us. But can I tell you the truth of the Word of God is still true, that, that the wages of sin is the works of death in our lives. And God says, hey, we don't have to settle for that. We don't have to welcome death into our life. We can welcome righteousness and life in Jesus Christ. Amen. So are there places where we're blind? Are there places where we are bound? And and I could have named a hundred things, but two things I really felt like the Lord wanted to put his finger on this morning. Are there any places where fear rules in your life? Are there any places, I've got to tell you, as I prayed, there were some areas where fear, there were still some fears and some fears about right relationships and being misunderstood by people and, and, and some fear that was allowed, being allowed to speak into my life. I'm saying, hey, God, I don't want anything but your voice speaking into my life. So are there any areas where fear is what, are you afraid about the economy? Lots of people today are afraid about the ups and downs of the economy, are we afraid about what we, our future, the future of our kids, the future of our world? Another area the Lord spoke to is there any unforgiveness? You see, unforgiveness is an open door in our life. Unforgiveness is a place where we're just welcoming the works of the enemy to come in and to cause harm and to cause to keep us from fulfilling the full purpose of God in our lives. And Jesus says. If you need to overcome fear, I'm here to help you overcome fear. If you need to step into a place where you can walk in the fullness of forgiveness, I'm here to give you the strength to move into that, that place of love, where love is greater than offense in my name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we need to think about those things. We need to, to watch what we, uh, what, what's going on in our lives. Think about what we think about. Watch what we watch, right? And we need to, because we're going to reflect... What we focus on—if we're focusing on the world, if we're focusing on culture, if we're focusing on pain or problems or or offenses—man, that's what we're going to reflect. Some of us may have heard the story of how um, they refine silver. Okay, so there's a refiner. He takes all of this silver that's been mined out of the. uh, out of the earth, you know, and they put it into this big pot and, and they heat it really, really hot. And as they heat it, the, um, the impurities, the, the, all of the dross comes to the top and then the refiner skims it off the top. And he repeats this process time and time again. And, and ultimately the refiner knows when the refining process is finished and this is how he does it. When he looks into the silver, he sees his unblemished reflection in that. And can I tell you that that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives, he wants to do in my life, he wants to do it in your life. He wants to keep refining us to that place where, where he can just look into our lives and see his character being reflected in our lives, his, his conduct, his, his, the things, his heart for people, his, his desires being reflected in, in our lives. And so um, I want, to, how many people want that? How many people say, I, I really do. I want Jesus to be able to look at my life and see, and see his presence in me, to see his image in me. So Jesus goes on and he, then he says, so listen, watch, don't give up, okay? Uh, he says, then he says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. That, that word strengthen means uh, prop up a sagging roof. <laughs> Anybody ever had, a, ever had a, you ever camped, you know, had one of those tents that get filled with water, right? You keep letting it stay like that, you're going to get dripped on. Right? <laughs> Prop up that sagging roof. And that's what Jesus is saying. Strengthen those things. Maybe there's some weak areas of our lives. Welcome the strength, the life-giving presence of Jesus to come into our lives because Jesus is help. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't give up, rise up, okay? Don't, don't give up, don't quit, strength, rise up. And he goes on, he says, for I've not found your works complete in the sight of God. And you know what I love about this? No matter what situation, you can be dead, you can be struggling, you can have some areas that are sagging in your life. But Jesus says, you know what? I've come along, I've got, still got some plans for you. I've got purpose for you. For every man, every woman, every boy and girl sitting here today, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose for your life. He hasn't given up on you, don't you give up on him, Amen. Amen. So he says, then he says, remember, remember, therefore, how you've received and what you've heard. Remember God's grace. Remember how he forgave your sins. Anybody here had their sins forgiven? Hallelujah. Man, we need to raise those hands high, right? He's forgiven me. He saw me. He's loved me when I was unlovable. Let's remember all the things that he's done for us. Personally, but you know, we need to remember what he's done for us as a church as well. Amen, he has blessed us, he's taken care of us, he's provided for us, he's gifted us with, with great people, great men of God, great women of God, people who love to serve, love to give their lives to the work of the kingdom. We need to remember the goodness of God in the land of the living, amen, right? So he says, so hold fast, don't quit, don't give up. I want to say that again, hold fast. Somebody here today that's right on the verge of saying, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can hold on. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can make it. And I'm here to tell you today, then the power, in the love, in the strength of Jesus Christ, you can overcome no matter what the situation. Amen? And how about this word? And he says, and repent, repent. I don't know how we ever got to the place of feeling like repent was a bad word. Can I tell you, repent is a great word. You know, repentance is an amazing gift that God gives us. Suppose we didn't have the opportunity to repent. You sin, you're guilty, you die. (laughs) I like repentance. (laughs) I like the fact that God says that we can repent, and that when we repent, He freely abundantly loves us and he forgives us. What a, great, what a great gift repentance is. So no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what situation, what circumstance, and no matter for how long, can I tell you today, That if you'll just start with this place of remembering how much God loves you. If you'll just come and say, God, I repent. God, I don't want to keep living how I've lived. God, I don't want to keep going the same direction. I don't want to keep fighting the same battles. I don't want to keep giving in to the same stuff. God, I repent. And when we repent, you know what he does? He comes alongside. He removes our sin. He removes the weakness. He removes death from our lives and puts his life in. Therefore, he says, watch. Watch. Watch, and, or I will come. He goes, watch, or I'm going to come, and I'm going to come like a thief. He's not talking about the second coming, what he's talking about. He says, if we keep putting repentance off, if we keep delaying and denying that we have these issues in our lives, we're keeping an open door for judgment in our life, and this judgment's not God putting something on us. It's us keeping ourselves from God putting good things in us. See, because God wants to reward us. God wants to pour his rewards out. And that's what he says. He says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me. And I, I want to say this, God's looking for people to reward. You know, I remember years ago when, uh, when Bradley and Roger and some of the guys, and uh, Matt, some of you guys were, uh, were, were younger. And, uh, and I can remember the guys talking one time and they were going, man, you know, you, you talk about giving testimonies. We don't have a testimony some people they've done out and done all the things and they've they've got all these, they've overcome all these sins. And some of these guys said, you know, we've never done these things. We've never smoked and drank and, you know, and, and run around with women who do those things. And, you know, we, we've just never done all this stuff. I can remember saying, wait a minute, that's not a lack of a testimony. That's the greatest testimony. You've you've walked through the pig pen of life and you didn't get any on yet. And that's what he's saying right here. He's saying, listen, there are some who have not defiled their garments. You know what that says? It says they've got some people who have lived in this corrupt city and none of it got smeared on them. They've kept their heart. They've kept their mind. They've kept their focus. And because they've done that, they're experiencing victory. He says, they're going to walk with me in white. I think Chris said this a couple of weeks ago, that the Roman armies, when they came back from a great victory, they would be dressed in white and people would know that they were victorious. And can I tell you that that's God's plan for us is that we walk in victory. We walk in life. We walk in power and in strength. And in verse five, he says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. God's plan for you is purity and and strength. Hey, people, let me tell you this. I know we've, for years and years I've heard people say man if I just had enough power then I could be pure can I tell you the way to have power is to be pure. pure power comes through the purity it comes through focusing on Jesus and giving our lives totally and completely to Jesus amen and then he goes on he says and here's my promise if you'll do these things then you know what I'll never blot your name out Your name will eternally be written. You'll you'll always be remembered. And not only that, I'm going to confess you. I'm going to personally make your name known to my Father. When I make your name known to my Father, it'll be known forever and forever. So let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I pray this today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to hear. That no matter what circumstance, what situation, where you're at in life, Jesus has come to you, he's coming to you. And he's walking among you, not past you, he's walking to you. And I believe he's putting his arm around you and he's saying, son, daughter, come on, it's time to come alive. It's time to strengthen the weak areas. It's time to realize who you are, that you are an overcomer, that you're victorious, that you've got an eternal destiny and purpose and and I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you. All you gotta do is just yield to me. Just yield to me. Just welcome me. Just listen to me. Would you stand with me this morning, please? As we close our service today, I just wanna ask you Very, very sensitively, please. Let me encourage you. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just you, you speak into the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, is there any area of my life today that needs to be strengthened? God, is there any area of my life where I've tried to do it in my own strength, in my own ability? And God, is there any area where I've tried to hide my weakness, hide my failure, my sin? I've I've been covering it and pushing it up, pushing it down. But today, God, I want to come and I want to expose it. I want to I want you to purge my life from death and fill me with your life. Are there any areas of your life that need to be revived? I really do believe this is a word from the Lord today that there are some people here that you've got some giftings and some calling on your life and, and just because of circumstances it feels like it just hasn't worked out and, and so you've pushed those things aside but can I tell you that the gifts and call of God is without repentance. That, that calling never stops. It never ends. And in the heart and the mind of God it's alive and he wants to make it alive in your heart and in your mind today. Are there any areas of your life that need resurrection? If that's you today, just right now, <clears throat> right now, listen, Jesus came and walked among you. I'm asking you to take a step for Jesus. I'm asking you, we said it earlier, and I believe that was the word of the Lord, Matt. I'm just saying, if there's some areas where you want to see life-giving change in happen right now, I just want to ask you to just step out and come down to this altar. Come on. All right, You want to see God resurrect and restore and renew some things in your life? Come on, that's you this morning. That's you this morning. Come on. God loves you. We're not going to embarrass you. Come on, we're going to pray with you. We're going to, we're going to put our arms around you. Come on. If you've got some areas, some dreams, some hopes, some desires, where you want God to just do a, a fresh new work of life, you, got, you want some areas in your life that need strengthening today. Come on. All right. Come on. Let me say it one more time. You've got a hope. You've got a dream. You've got a maybe a lost loved one. and well, I lived that way for 38 years. I prayed for my dad off and on, off and on. If you're just at that point where you've given up hope, can I tell you, God wants to restore your hope, wants to restore your dream, your passion today. Okay? Anybody else? Last moment. Anybody else? Okay. Brothers and sisters, why don't you just come right now and let's just pray over these that are here this morning. Come on, all right? Prayer team and those that are walking in the fullness of the Lord, just come and let's pray for our brothers and sisters right now. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Vicki, come on up here, okay? Hallelujah. And as these are praying here this morning, why don't we just all just, why don't we just take a moment? Let's just lift our hands like this, all right? And just say, God, thank you for loving us. You really are, God, you've been so faithful and so good all through our lives. God, we love you so much. And we confess today that in and of ourselves, Lord, we are weak and God, we need strength truth of the matter is we, we need our, your strength more than we can even express. So we welcome you today, Holy Spirit, just to come in and, and to not only strengthen us, but to revive us in God. Any area of our life, Lord, where it's, where it's less than what you, God, want it to be. It's, it's not alive. We just say, come and make it alive today in our lives. Maybe there's a hope for healing. You need some healing in your life. And I'm just saying today, Holy Spirit, just pour out whatever's needed in the life of every man, every woman, every brother and sister here today. Fill us with your fullness. God, we want to be those that have ears to hear and to receive who you are. That that we really can be overcomers. Victorious. And receive that overcomer's reward in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we believe that your best for us individually, for us as a church, is just before us. So Holy Spirit, this minute, work in me, work in us, and work through us for your glory, for your glory right now, in the name of Jesus. Uh, let, Let me just ask this this morning. If there's anybody here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to do that this morning, would you just lift your hand before we go today? So I, I, I want to give. I want the life of Jesus to live in me. Nothing else. Anybody else this morning? Amen. Okay. I want to thank you for being here today. We love you. Thank you for your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit today. I pray that God will bless you this week. He'll go with you and bless you. But you'll, he'll be your strength. He'll be that person that's closer to you than any human person could be. I pray He'll bless your relationships and bless your finances. That He'll that He'll just open up. He'll renew dreams and desires in your heart. Amen. Hey, God loves you. We love you. Thank you again for being here. Hey, please continue to be faithful. Be faithful in all. In your, in your giving, your tithes, your giving, your offering, your generosity. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. And we love you all. God bless you. All right. Hug somebody. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them on the way out. God bless you.